Hey friends, Scott Sullivan here, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board and so excited to join you today. And uh, the topic that we're going to be working through is dealing with men's ministry. So I'm working here with Ray Sullivan, our Southwest Discipleship Consultant in the state. Just an absolute stud when it comes to men's ministry. He's done it. He's written about it. He's preached on it. Um, he's seen results from that. And uh, there are just some questions, Ray, that um, that I've got about men's ministry. And we, we really want to help our people that are watching right now get to a place, because here's, here's really an issue. If we don't solidify in our heart whether men's ministry is a valid ministry in the church, then we're never going to do it well. Right. So a lot of the churches, a lot of the leaders are going to be watching us. They need to make a choice to reach men or not. And if you're going to do it, we got to do it really well. So Ray, I appreciate you joining us today. And uh, we're so excited to have you on our team, you and your wife and, and your kids and uh, what you guys and excited to, uh, for next blueberry season for you to bring me a big pile of blueberry from that yes. blueberry farm that you live on. And um, I want to say a word to also, sometimes we forget to say, you know, you and I are talking and engaging. Well, behind the scenes is PJ Dunn. So Dr. Dunn, uh, you're not in the view here, but we appreciate you being the show producer for us today. And as always, just a reminder, we're able to do this because of the CP dollars that come in. So uh, if you're a Georgia Baptist Church, let us just say thank you, because we do what we're able to do to resource and encourage you guys because you give to CP. So J Ray, let's jump in here. And uh, my first question for you, and let's kick this around because this is really important, is men's ministry still relevant in today's church. And you and I have talked about this because this is a big deal. And there are people in our tribe that we love and that we respect that talk about large group and they talk about small group. And we've, we've engaged in these D groups. But a lot of people are saying, you know, there, there's not a place for women's ministry and men's ministry. They should just be in a small group or they should just be in a, in a Sunday school class. So help us out here. Why, why or is men's ministry still relevant to today's church? Yeah, Scott, and, and really, I, you know, I value that opinion. I mean, I, it makes a lot of sense that we want to get men and women involved in small groups, and we want to channel ministry through that. And, you know, so many times we only have, you know, as a pastor, we only have so many resources, and we want to be effective, and we want to be efficient in what we're using. So we start asking ourselves about all these other ministries that, that kind of exist, and do we just need to maybe not do this and, and focus on this? And sometimes, you know, men's ministry is one of those that just kind of gets push to the wayside, or maybe we just put a, a $200 line item in the budget and say, well, if we decide to do something with men, uh, we, we've got some money there. But I, I think the question, you know, is it still relevant depends upon what do you mean by when you're talking about men's ministry? Because as I drive around and I talk to different pastors, and I ask this question, you know, how's your men's ministry? What's going on with your men's ministry? A lot of times there's a definition of there, what is the men's ministry? And so if I ask that question, you know, I'll get, well, we do a wild game banquet you know, once a year, or we do a get in the game Sunday in the fall, or maybe a little bit more consistent, we have a brotherhood breakfast, um, you know, every month, but, but that is the men's ministry. And so um, we're thinking about men's ministry in light of just activities or just events, not an intentional strategy uh, to disciple the men in our church. And I like what Patrick Morley says about this. He says, maybe we need to think of it in different terms and not call it men's ministry, but call it ministry to men. Uh, so it's, it's 
all the things that we're doing in our church, whether that be evangelism or missions or, or helping men find their spiritual gift, getting them plugged into a small group, getting them connected with that small group of guys where there's, there's mentoring and accountability and teaching them how to share their faith. All of those things that we do are part of the men's ministry, not just the event. So uh, in light of that, uh, is it still relevant in church today? Uh, yeah, we, we need to reach uh, men. Men are one of the most, uh, one of the largest neglected people groups uh, in, in today's church. 13 million more adult women in church on any given Sunday uh, than men. So uh, yeah, we, we better get serious about it. Absolutely. That's a good word, Ray. Um, and it's huge. And, and one of the things that there's a gap here, because for as a local church leader for the past 29 years, you know, that's a part of my story is I'm, I'm working at the convention now, but I, I'm just now working at a convention. I've been in the local church in the trenches for 29 years. And for me, men's ministry was able to do some things that I wasn't really able to do well through the small group, through the life group. Because when you talk about, you know, and you're like talking my language, you talk about really the only, most churches only exist to do the wild game banquet and to do that fish fry. You know, or that sort of thing. That's really what they, that was the extent of the men's ministry in a lot of churches. And we weren't moving them to a small group. We weren't trying to develop mentors for them. And what we found is there are a lot of those men that really are hungry for a mentor. They want to have some answers, man. They want that generation to reinvest in them. So man, just a great word, <laughs> great word, Ray. Well, let me give you a second question here. Why should I prioritize men's ministry in my church, because there really are a lot, you know, and as you and I and our team begins to talk about this watershed principle and these six main streams in the church that have to be healthy for the church to be healthy, man, this question of, of how and why to prioritize men's ministry is huge because we got to start aligning things to make sure they're helping us to achieve the purpose of becoming a disciple-making church. Yeah, I can give you a short answer. I'll give you two words. Uh, Jesus did. Boom. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, you know, we can get real specific about it, but, you know, Jesus prioritized men. It's interesting when you study scripture and we, we, we see the things that Jesus did and Jesus went to the synagogue and Jesus went to temple, um, you know, but you know, we, we see that Jesus spends the majority of his time, most of his time personally investing uh, in 12 Jewish men and, and specifically in three in Peter, James, and John. So, so Jesus's strategy of making disciples uh, was to was to really personally invest and intentionally um, invest in men's ministry. So I think that's the short answer. But a couple of other things that I think uh, we need to think about as pastors and leaders in our churches when it comes to prioritizing men's ministry is men's ministry, like you said, it gives us an opportunity to do some things sometimes that we don't necessarily get to do in our other groups. A lot of times our groups are age segmented and you know it's hard to get the young guys with the old guys and and as a pastor for 29 years that, that's what I always struggle with the, the older guys felt like the younger guys didn't care about them the younger guys felt like the older guys didn't care about them and you know men's ministry is a is a wonderful opportunity to bridge that generational gap to get those guys get in fact Scott it's biblical you know, it, Titus tells us that, that, the, that the older men need to be pouring in the younger men. Um, you know, Psalm 78 tells us that, that the, the generations, you know, that we need to pass down those stories. And so getting those people involved uh, in men, men's ministry, it's not age segmented. You know, it's just, it's guys of all ages. And I would just encourage, even bring your youth 
uh, into those events with men's ministers. So it's a great thing in the church uh, to bridge that, um, that generational gap, but it's also a great opportunity uh, to build leadership in the church. Um, you know, when you're thinking about men's ministry and as a pastor, you're thinking about leadership development, I think those two run hand in hand. And so uh, mentoring is a tremendous opportunity that you mentioned a minute ago that we, man, we've just, we, we, we're just seeing that fall by the wayside. It's, and, and it's been a couple of generations. And so we're seeing the effects of that. But studies show, this, that show us that, that mentoring, uh, guys that are mentored uh, by, by other people are 130% more likely to take leadership positions. And so, you know, instead of sitting there uh, in a church nominating committee meeting and saying, who can we get, you know, to, to serve in this capacity, you know, having these younger guys come along in this men's ministry, being mentored by these older guys, um, more experienced guys, a great way to build that pipeline of leadership uh, in your church that you may not get the opportunity to do just in the small group, but be more specific and intentional in the men's ministry. And they, and they can work together instead of, oh. instead of being in men's ministry uh, to the exclusion of small group. You want to get them in a small group, and then the men's ministry, is what they're doing, they're working together. It's that, that cross-pollination that's helping in both, right. both sections there. It's just really good. Now, let me take a minute here. Just If you're watching, uh, we want to hear from you. So look, let me ask you this question. Who is that person? If anybody that's viewing today, if you've been – mentored, if you had somebody who really invested in your life, like, like I could say my dad, I'm one of those blessed guys, man, that just has a, a dad that was an absolute Superman hero, did a lot of things well, and just, man, he intentionally invested in each of us as his three children. But I also had, at certain points, a basketball coach that loved Jesus and just looked me in the eye, kept me accountable, loved me well, but also kept me um, you know, accountable, had said some hard things to me. So if you're viewing, let us know who that was, that was a mentor to you, but share in one or two sentences what they did that made a difference in your life. That'd be great. We'd love to hear that in the comments. So now as we go to this third question here, Ray, let's talk about intentional. Okay, that's a, that's a big word that we work on in our team. When we talk about developing a strategy, we say we want it to be an intentional strategy and a customizable strategy for each local church. So what does an intentional ministry to men look like in today's church? Yes, yeah, Scott, and, and I think that that's a great word. And as we talk more about the watershed principle that'll be coming out this fall uh, with our team, you know, we'll talk a lot more about this. And it's, it's not it's not that we're always trying to recreate new new things in the church. And a lot of times pastors feel overwhelmed because if you start talking about men's ministry, you say, well, what's the, what, what do I have to do? How, how do I organize that? It's something else on my calendar and on my plate. But what we're talking about here is just a balanced approach to ministering to the men in your church. And so we just talked about it when we talked about bridging the, the generational gap. Your small groups and your men's ministry work together in that. And I think it's, it's, it's the same thing. It's thinking, I used to struggle with this where, you know, if, if you didn't go to the brotherhood breakfast, you weren't part of the men's ministry, you know, and if you're a young guy and you got kids, I, I can't, you know, Saturday morning, I can't go to the brotherhood breakfast, right? I can't go at a certain time. So I'm not part of the men's ministry. Well, if, if you don't build handicap ramps, I, I had a guy in, in, in one of my churches and loved him to death. And I mean, that was his heart. And that was his passion. And man, he was good at it. And he literally built hundreds of ramps 
uh, with guys, but, but it kind of got to be, that's what the men's ministry was. And if you didn't build handicap ramps, you weren't part of the men's ministry. And so you begin to ask the question, what about the guys leading worship on Sunday? What about the guys on the worship team? What about the guy that's working with a water or a team kid? The guys were so so getting out of the the mindset of thinking that our men's ministry is just getting involved in one or two things. The goal is this: is the goal to get guys to come, or is the goal to disciple men? And so balanced is looking at all of the things that we're doing in our church, and how do we involve men in those activities, and how do we channel that into that making that disciple who becomes a disciple maker. So I think that that's the big key when we think about balance. It's not just one activity. It's not just that's one good. thing in the budget. It's not just one monthly brotherhood breakfast. It involves all that we're doing in the church, everything that men are involved with. So your men's leadership team, your men's pastor, or just your, your lay leadership team is thinking all the time, what are our men involved in in the church? And how do we take advantage of that and bring all that together to make disciples. So I think that's being intentional rather than just saying, well, we hope they come and, 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 you know, we write them down on our ACP as this is how many we had in a men's activity. Yeah. And let me give you an example of, of what I saw um, in the last church that I was in. Uh, he was our music minister. His name was Scotty. And he was in one of these uh, journey groups, which is D group, discipleship group, uh, four guys, closed group. So I was talking to his life group leader, which is Sunday school, same Sunday morning type of deal, Sunday morning. I was talking to her and she said, listen, you know, whatever you guys are doing in those journey groups, man, it's really making a difference because the discussions that Scotty's having are so much deeper and full and richer in our life group than it was before he was in that journey group. And what it spoke to me was he's diving deeper. He's engaging more intimately with the scriptures but there's transformation beginning to happen. So it's not that they were separate. They're, those things work together. They're building together. And man, what you're saying just totally makes sense. Just fleshing out. And let, and let me add this too, you know, and this is something we've talked about before too. A lot of times we think about men's ministry, we're just thinking about families. You know, how do we get the husband? How do we get the dad? Uh, here's something to think about. You know, 40% of our men uh, in, 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 in our culture today, in our society today are single. That's right. You know, so so how do you utilize your men's ministry to to reach those single uh, men? You know, because people are seeing, we're seeing this day, guys are getting married later and later and later. I think uh, Dr. P.J. Dunn, our single specialist, you know, told us the other day, 30%, I think it's like 30 years old, um, something like that, before yeah. the average age of a, of a first-time marriage. So, yeah. so if you're just thinking about men's ministry involved and how do we get the older guys and how do we get the married guys, man, you're missing 40% of the population out there. So... So what is your singles ministry doing for men? Uh, what is your men's ministry doing for singles? Oh, Ray, I'm so glad you brought that in. Because I'm telling you, when we talk about intentional ministry, you can't check that box. You can't say that you're doing men's ministry well if you're not doing something to target the single men in your congregation. I'm just telling you, that is a huge mm -hmm. untapped resource that I guarantee you will provide um, fruit. Now, let me give a caution at this point, Ray, because one of the, one, one struggle that I see in the, in the church when we talk about this intentional ministry, and we talked about this, the you know we do the wild game banquet, and we do the breakfast, and we have the uh, the big buck contest, and we get people, and we give the gospel, and we might even see people saved, but we're not. Um, the struggle is we've got to find a way. If you're going to be intentional about your ministry, 
You've got to find a way to move them from that event into some kind of smaller group. So for me, I would love men's ministry to look like, man, have that big buck contest. There are rednecks around you. They're going to come to that. They won't come to anything else. I saw it every year for 29 years. So I'm, I'm an advocate for those events. But you got to build something in as the number one thing you do when it's over is follow up. Yeah. Within 24 hours, you've already got a team set that you're going out, you're visiting those guys, you're, you're uh, sharing with them, helping them to get connected, and then trying to bring some respected other men, maybe businessmen, you know, that they would respect or, or guys that they know, and then try to immediately get them connected into some kind of small group that's non-threatening, where they don't have to know all the Bible before they get in there, but make that's intentional ministry. And that's the kind of stuff that'll make a difference. And, and that, that's the struggle that, that I've seen that I had that struggle as a pastor. That's one of the things I, that I used to wrestle with, you know, we had great attendance at wild game banquets and those things that we did for men. And we saw people come to faith in Christ. And it's just easy to look at that and say, man, that was a success. Uh, that was great. And it was successful, you know, in, in context of what it did, but was that producing disciples? And so really being intentional about that follow-up and, and, and thinking about the things that we already have going on in the church and how do we plug those guys into those things that are already gone, going on. You know, those are, those are those things that we just think about in planning and, and we need to be more intentional um, on the follow-up. The goal is not to draw a crowd of men. The goal is not to get men in church. The goal is to make disciples. That's it. And so that's, that's got to be what we're thinking uh, down the road. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not seeing a life change and you can't tell that they're moving towards spiritual maturity, then we've got to change something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like my, my whole, my quote on that Ray is you can't be married to anything but your spouse. Mm. If it ain't working, you got to be willing to change it. Your spouse ain't one of them. You got to keep him or her, but everything else you got to be willing to shift and make. And in the midst of that, you know, we do have an opportunity right now with COVID, you know, we've seen where, some of these walls are kind of coming down and we can rethink, um, you know, how we're, how we're doing things and how we're, are we being intentional? And some of the things that we thought we never could maybe move away from, uh, now we have a little bit more flexibility. So I just challenge our pastors, I challenge the guys that are watching, you know, think about those men in your church and think about those men in your community. And if we can't get together right now in big groups, I, I don't, it's, it's interesting to me as we talk week in and week out, that it seems as though the one thing we're trying to do more than anything else is get our people back on Sunday morning. Yeah. And I, I can say this Scott, because I've been a pastor for 29 years. I'm a preacher. I love to preach and preaching is God ordained. Preaching is of God and there's power in preaching. Um, sure. But there are other things that we can do. Um, and I think, you know, that to make disciples, God forbid we ever lose that platform and we lose that Sunday morning hour where we can preach, but, Truthfully, that's happened all over the world, yet other places are still making disciples. And so, you know, if we think, if we don't have that platform, if we don't have that time, can I still go and make disciples? And so I'm just, I'm curious of how many guys, and, and this would be a great thing for people to comment on, you know, how many of you are thinking a little bit outside of just the Sunday morning experience right now, if this thing goes longer with COVID, uh, if it goes, you know, uh, longer into next year, what are some ways that you are still actively and intentionally making disciples that are maybe outside of the Sunday morning hour? And uh, your men's ministry, your ministry to men is, um, is a great place to start. That's right. So leave that and put that in a comment. 
what are some things that you're doing to intentionally try to reach men? Um, we want to hear that from you, but this is also good. We are networking together. We are gaining best practices, and, and typically we average about a thousand views on these broadcasts. So you got a lot of other people that are watching. So if you're doing something, please comment below so we can all benefit from that. Now, Ray, let me give you one last question here. Why is discipling men one of the best ways to fulfill the Great Commission? Yeah, so the blog that uh, was posted on the, on the website this week on our Georgia Baptist uh, Discipleship page, that, that's, that was pretty much the title, is uh, Discipling Men um, is, is one of the best ways to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, understanding, we talked about this earlier, that, you know, 40% of our men are single. A lot of times, most of us have heard the statistic, and it, the numbers vary a little bit, but I think it's pretty accurate that we need to be intentional about reaching men because 93% of the time, if, if we reach the man of a family, 93% of the time, the family follows. Compare that to 17% of the time of, of reaching the mother. Now, when we stop, Scott, and we, we look at our churches, and, and let's just say, if you want to know what a church's priorities are, look at the budget, right? If you look at the budget, you say, well, okay, if 93% of the time, if we reach dad, if we reach the man, we get the rest of the family. Why is it that our men's ministry is usually some little tag thing down at the very end, and we're putting so much more resource, whether it be money or time or energy, into other areas of the ministry? So, you know, if you want to be obedient and faithful and say, I want to fulfill the Great Commission, I want to go and make disciples, uh, then I would just challenge you, begin to think and be very intentional, serious about how can I reach the men uh, in, in my community? And so uh, another statistic that was in that article that just blew me away is there, there are some 90 million men, 90 million men in America today that are not being discipled. Hmm, <laughs> you talking about the fields are white with harvest. There's oh, 90 million men out there that, that are not being discipled. And so if, if, if we just begin to say, God, who are the two or three you got around me and begin to pour into those guys, uh, the likelihood is, is that those are going to repeat and they're, those disciples are going to make disciples and we're going to be faithful in, in the great commission. And I, I like most of our guys listen today. I want to hear well done, good, faithful servant. Yeah. I don't think there's a Christian out there that doesn't want to hear that. But I also ask the question, you know, what, what's going to be the standard that Jesus is going to judge that on? And Jesus told us, go make disciples. And so I think there, there's going to be a tie in there with well done, good and faithful servant, if I've been faithful in doing what he's called me to do and make disciples. And so we got to um, give our men, we got to give them a chance. We got to give them a fighting chance, Ray. Got to go get them. In our churches, we can't look at, you know, those, those most, the biggest repubates and, and just count those guys off. Uh, I wrote a chapter in the book, uh, Together We Equip, with some seminary friends, and the, the chapter was on men's ministry, and they talk about Jim. And he was just a hellion, man. He did everything wrong. He was in jail. He was a, a partier, and a pastor comes to jail, leads him to the Lord, but he didn't leave him alone. He gave him chance after chance. He kept coming back for like six months sharing the gospel, teaching him. Once he got saved, discipling him, he gets out. And then when I left Halton, Jim was arguably the best Bible teacher in the church at, wow. I don't know, 70 years old or something. Yeah. But you'd never know that. But he got a second chance and a third chance. And we got to give our men a chance. So and whatever you're doing, um, chew, figure, out, figure out who you are as a church. 
figure out how you're going to try to reach men and then be very good at what you do, but it can't be just the big event. We got to get those into those smaller uh, groups where people can invest and it's long-term investment. And it also involves multiplication. Ray Sullivan, you are stud. Thank you for being on here with us today. Thank you for helping with this discussion. And as always, if you're viewing today, make sure you leave a comment. We're going to give free swag away, pull it from somebody that leaves a comment and, um, we appreciate you engaging, and we pray that you'll continue to reinvest the gospel seed that was shared with you with someone else. It's the only way we're going to reach the world. So for Georgia Baptist Discipleship, we love and appreciate and honor to do what we do, and uh, we look forward to visiting with you again next week with another broadcast, Thursdays at 3. See ya.